0: Now, now, Planet Football with John Bradley, Premier League, European and International. This is Planet Football on City Talk 105.9. Good evening. Just gone five o'clock across Merseyside and online across the world wherever you may be. Good evening and welcome to Planet Football with me, John Bradley. I'm with Statman John. Good evening. Good evening. This is a big show for us, there's been a lot of action in Europe and across the world, and we are going to feature it all on tonight's Planet Football, but I think the biggest story of the week was the FA Cup. And we have got one of the heroes of FA Cup weekend joining us on the phone in just a minute's time. We're also going to look at the top young South American talent that could be on its way to Europe, and we will uh, just decipher who is the best out there as well. And we'll have our usual daily Into Europe feature where we will go around the European leagues just to see what's happened over the last few days since we were last with you a week ago. And since we were last with you a week ago, Statman John, what have you been discovering?
1: I've discovered that... Graham Carr, Newcastle's chief uh, scout, does not speak a word of French. Relevance? Well, they've signed five Frenchmen in this window. Just struck me as unusual. Well, to, to, to be
0: fair, as a chief scout, why would you have to speak French? All you've got to do is go and watch the players. You don't have to meet them, you don't have to do the deals. Very true. So it's pretty irrelevant. If he's going to go there and live there, then maybe he should learn a bit of the language, but he doesn't. And obviously he signed players from Holland, and he goes all over watching players. You don't need to speak the language if you just go and watch games. i take the point. All right, what else have you got for me? Um,
1: One of the FA Cup upsets that never happened um, threw up a little interesting fact.
0: One of the rare FA Cup (laughs) (laughs) upsets that didn't happen.
1: Macclesfield versus uh, Wigan Athletic. Quite a few people had that down for a shock. Um, I didn't, by the way. No, neither did I. I didn't have any of them down for a shock, so, you know, that shows what I know. Mac played uh, had played a decent game. One of these um, Wigan substitutes, uh, Mr David Jones, came on.
0: Um, David Jones, ex-Derby Wolves, Manchester United. Born in Southport. Born in Southport. Now,
1: interestingly, he made his full United debut in... The FA Cup on the 8th of January 2005, he'd played, he'd come on as a substitute for the last 12 minutes of a League Cup game earlier that season against Arsenal, but that was his full debut at Exeter in a 0-0 draw. Right. So what's your point? My point is that it was a very weakened Manchester United side. How weak? Well, judge for yourselves, Howard, Phil Neville, Brown, some uh, centre-half I've not, uh, I don't know what's happened to, Mr PK, John Spector, Chris Eagles, the Jemba brothers, David Jones, Liam Miller, David Bellion and Kieran Richardson.
0: Right, and that was a team that played away at Exeter. They drew nil-nil in what was a terrible game. A, a terrible game. But what's the significance of the game?
1: That was the last Manchester United FA Cup tie that was not on television.
0: you joking me. Nope. 8th of January 2005. So, eight years on. 38 FA Cup ties. 38 they've played since and everyone's been televised live? Correct. you joking me. No. Wow! 38 it's live FA Cup ties? Correct. That's ludicrous. And some of them have
1: been absolute
0: stinkers. What, you mean like the one at the weekend?
1: <laughs> like the one at the weekend. <laughs> so we can all look forward to watching Manchester United versus Reading in the next round of the FA Cup. Is that live? Well, they've not announced it okay. yet, but uh, it must be possible it's not going to be, but I wouldn't hold out hold well, much chance.
0: One of the games that I would have liked to have watched at the weekend was... Um, the dismantling of Queen's Park Rangers by the League One High Flyers, MK Dons, who are a very well run club. I spend a lot of time down there. Um, everything about the place is, is not a League One club. It's a wonderful setup, a wonderful family club. Great people there, and they've got a scouser at the helm. Good evening, Carl Robinson. How are you, mate? I'm very well, Paul. How are you? Yeah, sounded like the agent there. He's doing well. He's <laughs> <Keep> going. <laughs> 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 I did say on Twitter at the weekend, by the way, that that you know you're a man going places because you know I know you're very happy where you are, but you are you're doing a fantastic job down there.
2: Yeah, listen. I said to the boys, obviously, you know, we both know Smith Smithy really well, and you can ask him. I said, listen, without good players and without good people around me, all the talk and the hype would be wouldn't even be there. And I'm very fortunate to, to be managing a very strong group of players who enjoy playing football the right way.
0: Tell me, Carl, at, what, 10-2 to 2 on Saturday when you arrived at Loftus Road, you had a look around and, you know, you, you saw the tight pitch and you know all about them, did you think, we're going to beat them today, we're, we're, we're going to turn these boys over?
2: Um, it's weird, you sat in your hotel all night before the game and you go to all the permutations, it's not going quite right, generally most of my permutations are bringing the smithy off. To either winning or losing, because <laughs> after was an hour, and I never for once thought we would be 4-0 up. <laughs> when you um, <laughs>
3: no, I
2: never, I never ever dreamt that would be the, the scenario that we were making our changes at, and we thought we could go there and put a performance on and get a result. But getting the result like we did was was phenomenal. Okay, granted, all the hullabaloo that's gone with it regarding QPR after the game. That's, respect those respects, that's nothing to do with me. All I can worry about is what we did in that day. And we played a big part in that
0: game. Were you a bit concerned about Ryan Lowe after his lap of honour, after he scored, by the way? He ran around the entire pitch, didn't he? You know, it
2: was funny. We, just sat, we, we sat down this morning We're in a hotel in Yeovil. Um we, Yeovil we are playing tonight, evening. of course, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we, we sat down. We went through the bad bits and the good bits of the game. And it's amazing. Ryan Lowe runs faster after he scored <laughs> when he's chasing a ball. I said to him, well, no, what goes on there? And he, <laughs> it took a while for it to register, but Lowe no, generally does. And then the next thing, he went, oh, you're out of order. But it's true. It's uh, he, he's Honestly, when he scores, watch how quick he runs. It's phenomenal. He <laughs> goes from slow, to, he goes from slow to average pace.
0: It was, I mean, it was, a, it was a win made on Merseyside as well because uh, Darren Potter scored as well, didn't he? And his finish was just, was just, it was so nonchalant, so cool. But but that's the way the boy plays football, isn't it? I
2: oh, top drawer. He's top top drawer. Yeah. as he played for Liverpool, right wing, and he's never been a right winger. Darren Potter's never <laughs> whatsoever. And he, he had a bad time at Sheffield Wednesday, but he's, he's played for big clubs, Pottsy, and he's Joseph a person, you if he spent time around the place, he's a he's a credit to himself. And he's a credit to how we report up. He's, he's so grounded and level-headed, and his his performance were great. Even the third goal um, was Jonas Semmerborn and Ryan Lowe set the goal up. So when you look at it all, it wasn't it wasn't a bad day for for the Scousers.
0: I know, obviously, as a as a. A Liverpool lad, you were red as well, you'd been disappointed to watch the game on Sunday at Oldham, but I looked at Oldham's squad and thought, wow, that's so small, that squad, there's a load of kids on the bench and then I went through your squad and you are carrying a small squad, aren't you? So what you're achieving in that league is brilliant. Yeah, I
2: mean, we're, we're, carrying a, we're carrying probably one of the smallest squads in the league. And we've got good quality on it. We, we, we've gone for, for quality rather than quantity this year. And so far, it's OK. Like we're sitting eight at the moment. But we're, we're four, four or five games in hand on certain teams around us. Granted, yeah, you have to win them. Um, and we'll be doing our most of try and make that happen. But we are a small squad. And, and yeah, it was gutted on Sunday. Um... It was disappointing to
0: watch. Best player I've seen in League One this year and last year is a boy that you plucked from playing from Sporting Fingal in Ireland, Sean Williams. He's the best yeah. player I've seen in that division who could um, go and play a lot higher. Where on earth did you find him, and and how um, did you spot him?
2: I think he's only about eight stones, wet through, and he's playing centre half. He's <laughs> so small and skinny, and but he's got so much class. Um, I got a phone call from Neil Lennon saying, listen, we we'll are sign this, boy, do you want to take him on loan? He's top draw. And then when I put on the fitness coach, he's a than himself, he said, oh, no, I know he's best mate with my brother. So we got him in, I phoned him there and said, we'll sign him. <laughs> <laughs> and we ended up, he comes come to us, and he, he wanted to sign for us rather than go to Celtic, um, because he felt he'd get an opportunity to play with us, and, and that was just the end of the story, really. I actually, I've never done this before, but I went on somebody else's say-so, um, I got him in, watched him train for a week, and the boy just oozes class. Yeah, he does. And he, he, he was one of them ones, you almost didn't need to see him play in the game. Y- your eyes are very quickly, you know, that you found the player.
0: Can you explain to me how a central defender can move from playing centre-half in a game and move to number 10 in the hole just behind the striker and do it just as well? Because that's what you did against Sheffield Wednesday in that yeah. replay in round <laughs> three.
2: Yeah, or as Brendan Longasheen calls it, one uh, well, of the reverse number nine, <laughs> whatever that one is. Uh, yeah, the, the number ten position in behind the striker. He's it's he, to be fair. He's a centre, he's a centre midfield player that plays centre midfield or left back. We converted him to our two centre halves, so the two centre midfield players, Andy Kay and um, Shawnee.
0: Yeah,
2: and then he also went number ten last year, three or four games and, and scored goals. And he actually went to number ten in that Sheffield Wednesday at the post and set up two chances. I remember Steve Harry working with the players and I said, but where can he play Steve? He said, just just don't be worried about that. Somebody can handle the ball, he can pass the ball, he can receive the ball, he's got an awareness of where he needs to be at any particular time and he's got a hunger and a desire to want to play this game he'll find this position eventually.
0: Your coaching schooling came at at Liverpool's academy under Steve Highway. Is that what has taught you to play football the way that you do because you do play a really good brand of football and you like to knock it about?
2: He's the best he was one of the most phenomenal coaches I've ever seen work. People talk about Shankly and Paisley and Leash and Fowler and Rush and Gerrard and Whelan and Moby and Hanson. They just, the list is endless of Liverpool greats. Um, probably people are moaning the fact i have missed one or two out there. Yeah. Tell us all about. But Steve Irwin is somebody that not only won the thing, won three European Cups, won seven league championships. Are there? They're about FA Cup, um, scoring goals in them and creating goals in in big occasions. But then to go on and and to run a youth system which produces Steven Gerrard, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, Steve McManaman, Jamie Carragher, Neil Mellor, Darren Potter, John O'Sembo, people who, who, who might have made it the highest level, but are making a wonderful career outside the top level. And that goes unnoticed, that he had 20-odd years nurturing this um, phenomenal array of talent.
0: Yeah. Listen, I I know you've got a game tonight, you've got Yeovil. Are the boys all grounded and ready for it? Because, you know, your main aim this year is to to get out of that league. It's nice that you've got Barnsley in the next round, but, you know, you've got big league games starting at Yeovil tonight. Yeah, we have, yeah.
2: We've we've come down last night, it's... uh, Scouts ten manager You probably can't use in the radio, but i using. It's it's raining very heavy, um, and it's very windy. So it's uh, it's not the best of weathers. Um, we have always being for a walk around, like Taunton Castle, and the boys are very chilled out, but they're very focused on the job at hand, and they understand the consequences and the life changing consequences if they get out of this league this year for themselves. And that's that's the big main aim of, our, of all of our players.
0: Yeah, listen the last thing I need to ask you because uh, I know you're busy preparing for the game i scared now brothers I've kept you for ages uh, yeah. <laughs> don't worry it's not about why were there so many shocks in the FA Cup this weekend
2: neglect first of all I've been watching I'm watching Liverpool and I'm watching Borini thinking listen football's difficult and the great Liverpool teams I remember they used to say that if there's a phrase and I think we spoke with it. me and you you've got to earn a right to play football yeah and the first 15, 20 minutes of any football match, regardless whether you're paid £100,000 a week or £100 a week, you've got to make sure you earn that right in that first 15 minutes. I also think as well, I think lower league football's improved. I think if you're talking 15 years ago and the great Liverpool teams would go to an Oldham, for instance, use that as little bit, Oldham and in a higher echelons then. But I think what you'd find is that people likes of, would have been much longer ball and it would have been a little bit more predictable the lower leagues. Where now you, you're watching Josie Baxter play for Oldham. I tried to sign him for Liverpool many years ago when he was nine. Mister Mac, um, who was a, it was, was a scout, Hugh McCauley's father, was a very, very successful scout at Liverpool. Um, was literally trying to get him, to, almost trying to drag him to Liverpool. But Josie was a was a staunch fan. And he was tipped to be one of the next best things, the next Wayne Rooney and all them and he just found his way into football and threw Paul Dick off. He's found his way back in and his ability is as good as most. So I just think what's happened is these academies are letting players go. We're giving them a second chance. And the the ability's coming through. So I actually think lower league football's improved. And the games that I watched the weekend I don't think enough teams are in the right in the first fifteen minutes.
0: That's brilliant. Listen, thanks for thanks for being with us, pal. Uh, good luck at Stop your will tonight. Um, Cheers, pal. I'll catch up with you later in the week. But uh, good luck right. as well against Barnsley as well in the next round. It's after that, of course, it's the quarterfinals, isn't it? Yeah, who knows, I'll MK Dons i the a for the cup of tea. <laughs> In the fourth round for the first time, in the fifth round for the first time. Hey, who knows how far you can go. Good luck tonight, pal. Thanks for being with Cheers, us. i Take care, bye. the season Thanks to Carl Robinson. Big shock, yes. What was the biggest shock of the weekend for you?
1: Oldham beating Liverpool, I have to say that.
0: Yeah, even though Luton were the first uh, non-league club in 23 years to to beat a league club, weren't they? It's, it's amazing, the first team to do it at their own ground for 25 years as well.
1: Yes, certainly, but uh, I think the Oldham performance, given the, all the problems, seven, seven defeats out of eight games, and then to beat Liverpool.
0: You're not wrong, Johnny boy. On the way next, we are going to deal with the world of Europe, and we're going daily into Europe on Planet Football. <laughs> is Planet Football with John Bradley, City Talk 105.9 Welcome back to Planet Football Tuesday, the 29th of January. It's been a busy week in the world of football. We've heard from Carl Robinson. Now, let's hear from daily into Europe like we always do every week. good evening arthur
4: good evening john you're all
0: right. yeah i'm all right pal how are you
4: yeah very good thanks very
0: good good you're just jumping on the train aren't you to go to qpr versus man city tonight
4: that's right yeah it's going to be a cold one i think but um got time to chat to you always
0: <laughs> you've just got <laughs> back from spain as well you were at the Bernabeu at the weekend
4: that's right yeah i was there to watch real madrid against Getafe, uh, a city derby in madrid but it was very one-sided round. Uh, couldn't get the breakthrough in the first half. and the second half, of Ronaldo hat-trick already uh, sealed in. It's probably what they needed after what's been a rather eventful week, I think it's fair to
0: say. Well, let's start with, with what happened in Spain, because you were in Spain, and it was pretty eventful, as you say, because of events at Real, wasn't it?
4: Basically, Marca, which is almost the club newspaper, not quite, but close as you can get to it in Spain, it said that Ramos and Casillas had met with uh, Perez, the club president, said if Mourinho doesn't go at the end of the season, uh, we, we will leave the football club. Perez held a press conference on Thursday, which many people would have seen, where he said uh, these reports were completely false. Uh, however, the next day, Marker didn't give up on the story. Uh, they claimed to print extracts of conversations with insiders of the football club who confirmed the story. So, you've got the, the club and the club paper going at each other's throats there, uh, and in, in what is a big time for them at the moment because they've got the Champions League against Manchester United on the horizon, and things have been further complicated by Iker Casillas' girlfriend uh, this morning. People may remember her as the, um, the girl he kissed uh, while being interviewed after they won the World Cup, after Spain won the World Cup. She, she's admitted the dressing rooms in a bad way and that Ramos and Casillas are always meeting with Perez for lunch and that kind of thing. So she's got herself involved, and it's all got a bit messy.
0: I don't think there's any place for getting involved in things. But then again, she's only doing her job she, as a journalist in a privileged but, position. What was the reaction to Mourinho at the game the other day?
4: The reception was absolutely fantastic. A rail, they read out the team, but they don't just do that. They they also say the coach's name at the end. And the reception for Mourinho was absolutely fantastic. They the singing his name. Um, although the announcer said Jose Mourinho, which obviously isn't how you pronounce his name. <laughs> so I think after a few years, that would annoy me. Yeah, um, definitely. But the reception was absolutely fantastic. The fans love him. And in the absence of Casillas, who's injured at the minute, uh, he handed the armband to Ramos. So if there is this problem with Casillas and Ramos, um, he's not letting it affect his decision-making in, in respect to the captain's armband. Very interesting stuff at way out.
0: Normal service at Barcelona but a uh, special performance from Messi.
4: Yeah, four goals from him. I think we're getting pretty used to this. I mean, I was at uh, the, the new Camp last season, Team scored five, so that was a very special occasion. Paul, he got on this occasion, so uh, another comfortable win for, uh, for Barca. And with Atletico dropping points, they extend their lead at the top again.
0: Well, I wanted to say about that because the big surprise at the weekend were Atletico Bilbao beating Atletico Madrid. Um, And Bilbao aren't the side that they were last year, so that was a big result.
4: I just wonder if the Fernando Llorente deal to Juve got done last week, and I just wonder if that took a little bit off the pressure of the players. It's been bandied around the club for a long time, Llorente wanting to leave, his contract expires at the end of the season, he's going to join Juve at the end of the campaign, and after that deal is finally done, after it's finally sealed, they go and beat Atletico 3-0. Quite an astonishing result. Um, and they played delightful football. And I'll tell you this, John. I was out for dinner with my girlfriend on my final night in Madrid. And uh, Bill Bow against Atleti was on the telly. She let me sit a certain <laughs> way so I could watch the game. Brilliant. I couldn't take my eyes off the TV because they were playing a brilliant football. It wasn't the most romantic occasion, I have to say. I hope you um, told
0: your girlfriend you were going on a footballing weekend to uh, Madrid <laughs> rather than a romantic weekend.
4: Believe me, she is very
0: understanding. <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about Italy because um, the big result at the weekend was Sampdoria. They, they lost the president last week, didn't they? And then they turned in a, a stunning performance against Pescara on Sunday. Both teams just outside the relegation zone.
4: That's right, yeah. Um, the, the death of Riccardo Guerrani, the club president, was a big thing for them. He, he'd had an illness for quite a while and died aged... Uh, 76 in the end. So, wonderful response and an interesting one as well. Obviously, there's a game down at the bottom, but Icardi scoring four goals in that game, and funnily enough, Messi scored four this weekend. Some have labelled him the new Messi, and there's going to be a real tussle. This is going to be interesting, John, between Italy and Argentina that his services at international level. Because Prandelli has said, "I want him for Italy," and it's got the Argentinian FA in a bit of a panic. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with. Uh, Icardi decision has been absolutely fantastic for Santorio.
0: Yeah, a bit of interest at the top as well because Juve were held by Genoa, so uh, Napoli closed the gap with a win at Parma.
4: Yeah, Cavani with a late goal for Napoli, a surprise there is the top scorer in Serie A this season. Uh, Juve's draw uh, a, a controversial one with Genoa, Finished one all, but perhaps they should have had a last-minute penalty. There was a handball. It reminded me of the Michael Richards handball, uh, which was given uh, against Liverpool in the League Cup semi-final last yep, season. Remember that one? It was leg to arm, and it's whether that handball or not. It wasn't given. Conte uh, went mad. They all went mad, and a load of bands were given out. Conte will have to miss two games from the sideline, although he's a bit used to it after his ban early <laughs> on <in> the
1: season. <laughs> What's the opinion of uh, Anelka's uh, move?
4: Well, that's a very interesting one and i think the you know, the obvious general consensus is that it is that it's purely a, it's purely a stopgap isn't it because they have torrenta coming in the summer and Anelka was looking for a club. So is obviously purely a stopgap, really, because is coming in the summer, because they, they do need a centre-forward and someone who's eligible for Champions League football. So I'm, I sh- I'm sure that's the thinking there. He had his medical yesterday, I think, and we're still waiting for it to be 100% confirmed. But it looks a sensible deal to me. Bentner hasn't done the business since he joined on loan. Um, so they he's need had a lot of injuries though, Benner,
0: hasn't he? He has had a lot yeah. of injuries.
4: He, he has, he has. But on his rare chances in cup competitions yeah. against lower league opposition, it hasn't quite happened for him. And it's difficult coming in and out of the team, I think, if you're a number nine. You need to play every week. Uh, but it hasn't happened for Benner. So they're looking to Anelka now, I think he's 34. He's going to be there for five months and, and about uh, half a million quid, I think. So it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out.
0: Yeah, in France, the so-called cream of the crop has risen to the top Uh, as the House of Pain once said. Um, PSG have gone back to the top this weekend with a narrow win over Lille, but they're still not playing great. Needed an Aurelian schedule goal to win, didn't they? An own goal.
4: I I just wonder what will happen at the end of the season with Ancelotti, because the team hasn't settled, despite all the money, that they have spent... They're not playing the brand of football that people are expecting. and In particular, if they don't win the title, it would be, I think it'd be fair to say, it'd be an absolute disaster in the end.
2: Um,
4: so we're going to wait and see what happens with that. But a good win for uh, Leon, obviously, away at Valenciennes, for Fafana, a midfielder I really rate. He's going to be a, a top midfielder for the future, scoring in that game. And Baffert can So Leon haven't had to let go of, the, of a number of players that they were expecting to have to do. So, um, it seems to have been a good window for Leon in
0: all. The team that slipped up at the weekend was Olympique Marseille of Joseph Barton fame. They were held to 2-2 draw at Rennes, weren't they? So they've slipped two points behind the other two at the top.
4: It's clear they're not missing Remy. The two IU brothers scored in that game in the 2-2 draw at Rennes. But Rennes are, are in fourth, um, having a remarkable season, having been promoted recently. Uh, and there's a player, you, you seem to have your eye on. You think he's a top-quality player.
0: Yeah, I've watched Roman Alessandrini uh, about six or seven times this season been massively impressed every time. What I like most about him is that he's got a real casual swagger. And I think that any footballer that's got a casual swagger has got half a chance because it means that he's laid back. But he scores goals, he's creative from the flank, and he came from the second tier in French football. He was playing for Clermont-Auvergne, which for me previously was only a rugby team, because you hear about them in the European <laughs> Cup all the time. But he cost, I think, two, three million from playing in the French second division. He's got, stepped up to Ligue 1, and he's been magnificent, Rob.
4: You've got your finger on the pulse, I him because I was reading some of the French football websites today, and it does seem that he's knocking on the door of the national team. Uh, he says he's had a bit of a tough... Korea, he's found life hard. He was at Marseille as a kid, I think, and and got dropped off. He's Marseille born. Uh, but it seems to be happening for him now. I haven't seen much of him, so I really, a particular recommendation when I want to see him play a little bit.
0: Now, Germany. Business as normal, Leverkusen slipped up at the weekend, by Munich one, but there is a team that I want to focus on who have snuck into fourth place, the best-named football team in football history in European football as the greatest losers in European Cup final, Eintracht Frankfurt, now in a um, Champions League spot.
4: Staggering, isn't it? Because they were promoted uh, from the second tier in German football last season and, and they just seem to be performing. A 2-1 win over Hoffenheim... And I was just looking at where their goals are coming from. Because you look at the squad and there isn't really any stand-up names that you recognise. You know, occasionally you might go, I remember him, he was at Liverpool or, or yeah. whatever. But it really isn't with them. But they do have two midfielders who are scoring all the goals. Alexander Meyer, who is scoring for fun, I think he's got 12 league goals this season. And then Stefan Eigner, who's got seven as well. So for midfield, the they're chipping in with the goals and getting the results. And, bit before my time, but we all know that famous 1960 European Cup final with a ridiculous scoreline against Real Madrid.
0: Yes, yeah, so as you were there, now the, the league that's catching the eye at the moment is Turkey because obviously Wesley snyder has gone there, there's talk that Didier Drogba's going to sign a year and a half deal with Galatasaray as well and there was a big Istanbul derby at the weekend wasn't there?
4: Yeah, they took on Das uh, which isn't the biggest of, of the Istanbul derbies, it's more when uh, Gala play Fenerbahce that th- things are really interesting, but They got a 2-1 win, Albert Riera, formerly of Liverpool, scoring the winning goal for uh, Galatasaray. So they're five points clear at the top, but major signing. Schneider came on for his debut, got a wonderful reception. And what an interesting move that is. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Galatasaray... They've had major boosts in revenue. Sh- their share price has gone up, and sponsorship.
0: Now um, they're five points clear at the top, aren't they? From Besiktas and Fenerbahce as well. And it's just interesting that Rob to me, because when you do look at those teams, that the likes of of Fener, Besiktas, Galatasaray, they are notoriously the strong teams in the Turkish league. And in previous seasons, we've we've seen other teams climbing above them because of the controversy in that league. Yeah, there
4: has been. Uh, very much an Istanbul stranglehold on on the league, uh, but teams from outside of Istanbul have been challenging for the title in recent years and and winning it. So it seems to me that the capital has got a control on Turkish football once again. and Galatasaray, building a very strong team, got wonderful strikers now, including Drogba. You've got Omer Bulut, who's been brilliant on loan from Toulouse. Burek Yilmaz, Yohan and Elmandu, who's been a starter, and Milan Baras, who hasn't played a game for them this season.
0: Budak Yilmaz could be going to CSKA Moscow, by the way, according that. to reports. That was quite interesting that that I found. Now, there was one story that did catch my eye. Um, Paul Scott Carson, the former Liverpool goalkeeper, had a, a bit of a horrible incident in the cup tie last week against Fenerbahce. Rob, explain all. Yeah,
4: basically, and I don't quite know how to describe it, but he scored an own goal the manager's been sacked since, but it was a ridiculous own goal where we're, a cross which has sort of been deflected which is coming towards him and he just sort of palms it into his goal. It's quite an embarrassing incident, isn't it, I think it's fair to say.
0: Yeah, and the problem is, is of course, that they, they've taken steps today to strengthen what is a weak defence per Saspor by signing Anton Ferdinand. That'll sort It's been another interesting week uh, across Europe. Rob, you have a safe journey on that train. QPR versus uh, Manchester City, you're at tonight, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week.
4: Cheers, gents. Thank you very much.
0: Rob Daly with Daily into Europe as ever on Planet Football. John.
1: Yes, uh, the African Cup of Nations. Yes. We are getting to the um, more interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. The best story so far for me has been Cape Verde. They've managed to get out of the group. Cape Verde, tiny set of islands, f- managed by the ex air controller from the airport,
0: who gave up his job. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cape Verde are managed by the air controller. Yes. From the island of Cape Verde. Yes. Oh, okay. He gave
1: up the job. Um... He has a background obviously has a background in football but that was his day job took over a couple of years ago they've been very successful in youth football and it's they they are higher than Scotland in the UEFA um, the world rankings at least I think they weren't in December I think Scotland leapfrogged them in January but obviously they're going to go back in front Right, who's going to win it is it still Ivory Coast or the favourites <sighs> Ghana I think are the favourites Okay Ivory Coast are looking quite good. Ghana have got Cape Verde. Uh, that is on the second. Ghana are playing Cape Verde. South Africa playing Mali. Um, South Africa squeezed through the group. That should be a good game. Um, not too clear w- which side is going to win that. Ivory Coast are playing the runners-up from Group C. Right. The winners of Group C are playing the, um, the runners-up from
0: Group D. So that's where that goes. So, is there anything else interesting that's caught our eye in the African Cup of Nations? <sighs> Apart from bad goalkeeping, some bad diving, some, some good football, obviously.
1: It's gradually getting better. The Ivory Coast um, dropped, Drogba to the bench, they dropped... Um, Were cap- they resting them or dropping them? No, dropping them. Kolo Torre was dropped. Really, yeah? Uh, yeah. Yaya seems to be doing uh, quite well, though. He scored two goals, hit crossbars, made others. Um, So they they won 3 0 against Tunisia um, at the weekend. Um, So they strode into the next round. Some of the big teams are not doing
0: so well. Well, we've done Africa, the Cup of African Nations. We've done Europe. We've spoken to Carl Robinson. Next up, we're going to South America. This is City Talk 105.9 Planet Football. This is Planet Football with John Bradley, City Talk 105.9. Welcome back to Planet Football 105.9, City Talk across Merseyside and online across the world with me, John Bradley, and with Statman John. Brilliant to have Carl Robinson with us in the first part of the show tonight and to speak to Rob Daly to give you a full insight into what's happening around Europe. It's been a busy week as well. What else has been happening, Statman John?
1: One story that caught my eye, um, which I wasn't going to mention until I read it all, was the um, trouble at Betar Jerusalem. Okay, where uh, the club has always been—well, their fans describe it as pure. They've never had any Muslims playing for them, but um, two are about to sign from uh, Grozny. Terek Grozny, Terek Grozny, Premier League. Okay, Sadiev and Kadiev.
0: Which, nice pronunciation.
1: Thank you. <laughs> um, that was awful. Kadaev. <laughs> and quite Kadaev. Quite possibly. Okay. Anyway, um, last week there were banners at the game, basically uh, racist banners saying uh, this should not be happening. Most of the fans are for it. There's only a, a very small amount that are against it.
0: Right. Now, I remember they, they, they have had... Uh, Muslim played for a very short time back in two thousand and five. I seem to recall. I don't know if you ever played for the first team though. Well, and these obviously are coming uh, yeah. in to be first team players. Okay.
1: The thing that moves the story on a bit is the fact that the owner who is pushing through this deal is Arkady Gaidamak, whose son or him, Sasha, bought Portsmouth. And it was basically that deal and the deal going sour because of allegations of arms dealing. You can't
0: start alleging things like that. <laughs> I don't think it was ever proven. No, no. <laughs> it, it was taken to court. It okay. was taken to court. Right, now, okay. let me finish. Right, it was on, taken to court
1: <laughs> and it took till 2011 right. in the in the French courts yeah. for it to be overturned. Okay. There they were legal arguments that it was true, it was false. Anyway, he got cleared. But that was too late for Portsmouth. Really? Portsmouth now have gone 101 games without a win, are in dire 101 days without I was a win. Say
0: 101 <laughs> games,
1: <laughs> 101 days without a win, are in dire straits, and are back in court tomorrow. Hopefully, so the fans' trust can take the club over. This then brings us around to the big story of the day, which is the government report. Which is getting very stroppy with the FA and the lack of um, lack of changes. This report stems from three things. The takeover by the Glazers of Manchester United. Right. The Gillette and Hicks takeover of Liverpool. Right. And the situation at Pompey. And this is what
0: started it all off. I have one simple thing to say. Keep your nose out of football. It's got nothing to do with you and... The rules of football for UEFA say that governments and FIFA aren't along, uh, f- Governments aren't allowed to get involved in football, or else you get kicked out of FIFA competition.
1: The report quotes UEFA all the way through, it's saying relevant. that UEFA want this change, UEFA want that change, UEFA want the other
0: change. Dear Mister Cameron, sort your, ho- your, sort your own house out and your own politics out before dealing with football. Let the football people deal with the football. Right, that's it. That's the news. That's all the stats. Let us deal with the world of South American football now, because there are talents galore, talents unheard of, talents everywhere, and Planet Football has its very own expert, who we can welcome to the show for the very first time. I've been meaning to get him on for ages, but we've had so much to do, and so tonight I have uh, basically disturbed Ed Malian's Skiing holiday in the Alps. Good evening, get. Hey, mate, how you doing? I'm all right. I apologise for disturbing your skiing holiday. Not but a problem, not a problem. We have to talk about the talent in South America. And I wanted to start with, ju- just basically, you watch it day in, day out. You know everything that goes on out there. I watch it from afar. But, who are the great young talents out there at the moment that we should be looking for?
3: Well, I mean, they've started moving over... This week we saw Ricardo Centurion of Racing move over to Angie in Russia, which I think is going to be a great move. Um, I know he's a player you're keen on, kind of a nippy, dynamic winger.
0: It's just uh, his name. Tricky. Anyone that's called oh, Ricky, brilliant. Brilliant anyone that's called Ricky yeah. Centurion has got a great future in the game, unless he's a cricketer. But, you
3: know, he's, he's, a, he's a class act. Um, and at, in fact, at Racing um, in Argentina, they're one of the big five in Argentina, and they've got a few young kids. They've got um, a player called Carinha, who's moved to CSKA in Moscow. Uh, Luciano Vieto is a personal favourite of mine. He's kind of a um, tricky little striker, but originally used to play as a number 10, so he's you know, very capable of dropping in deep and, and linking up play a bit better than perhaps a traditional number 9. And he's just, you know, an exciting young yeah, player. I, sure wanted
0: to, I wanted to talk to you about Vieto because, you know, when I've seen him, he is that little tricky type who can score a yeah. goal. But like he's coming to the team as a young boy I think he's 19 still, is he? he's 19-20 and he's, yeah, he's scored goals and he's scored goals at international level and everything hasn't he?
3: He, he made his, his debut, his first start for wrestling at 18 last season at San Martín de San Juan, and scored a hat-trick uh, on his first start and ever since then it's just been, he's been flying really, playing kind of uh, Argentina, Argentina under, under 20s um, he's kind of on the brink of the domestic squad as well, kind of playing, they play against the Brazil domestic squad as well yeah, and uh, he just looks. He, I mean, he's one of the next ones to Europe. Juventus very interested, and I think it probably will be to Italy.
0: Now, a player that that I have watched a lot, and I think a lot of people are aware of him now. While everyone talks about Neymar and the talents of, uh, of him, but I've been so impressed with Bernard over in Brazil.
3: Oh, well, he's a sublime player. Obviously, playing for Atlético Mineiro with uh, Ronaldinho is a great way to learn. But he's he's very. Classic Brazilian playmaker in many ways, but he's also got, he's, he's so athletic, uh, so agile, his balance is it's phenomenal, which is always kind of a key in a, in a young playmaker. He can play wide, he can play through the middle, behind the striker, you know, it, depending on where, what club he is at, like, he can play possibly as kind of a false nine or a second striker. And uh, he's the most exciting talent, I'd say, attacking-wise, coming out of the country right now. Uh, they've got a couple of good young defenders who I think uh, will make their move to Europe, but Bernard, as you said, is one of the most exciting attacking players in Brazil. Which is a fertile hunting ground for the European clubs.
0: Yeah, because Juan Jesus has already come over into and he's playing every game, isn't he? Now, so you know. The, the and
3: Marquinhos, Marquinhos at Roma he's 18 course, years yeah. old. and He's playing every week at centre back, which is a phenomenal achievement. Doria, who's playing for Botafogo in in Rio, he's the next next big thing to come over as well, centre back.
0: Now brilliant, he absolutely He's got an amazing left foot as well, hasn't he? He's so yeah. he's so
3: cool on the ball. Uh, I mean, he's a, kind of a more of a ball-playing player, but he's, he reads the game so well. A very, very intelligent footballer. And there's another defender called Dede, who, just because of uh, Vasco's financial problems, might be making the move.
0: Obviously, everyone wants to know about Matheus. obviously being the son of Bebeto. Is the hype about him justified? Is he going to be, the, you know, a uh, next superstar?
3: He's obviously good because he got into the Brazil under-20s team and and, has has impressed in youth levels and stuff. I think if he wasn't, if he didn't have a famous dad, he probably wouldn't be getting this European move yet. I think obviously it raises the player's profile. Um, He's a a very handy player, but he was part of a very disappointing Brazil team at the under-20s this month, or last month.
0: I was going to say, because the under-20 championships happened last month over there, Argentina and Brazil were both awful, weren't they?
3: Yeah, it was an absolute disgrace. the, the Argentine system is completely balked and they need to kind of do a root and branch review, but they, they won't while well, there's so many issues within the, the governing body. Uh, I'm not as sure as what went wrong with Brazil. I think they're just um, just poorly managed and poor performances. And you've got to remember the other, the other sides in South America are improving all the time. As you can see from the World Cup qualifying, your Venezuelans, your Perus, your Ecuador's. Those are improving sides. And um, as they improve financially and economically, that filters
0: through to the football. How is the potential move of Philip Coutinho to Liverpool from Inter being seen down in South America and in Brazil?
3: I think about Coutinho is a player that he left South America quite young, so he hasn't got a huge high profile, Um, obviously he's been selected in national squads so people know who he is, but it's a bit like when the Argentines leave, if they haven't played for Boca or River, they tend to kind of get ignored a bit when they're in Europe and you know, you have to make a big name to yourself in Brazil if you want people to be following your steps when you go over to the old continent. Obviously, I think Liverpool will do a lot for his profile and I imagine you know, he could be on the verge of the, the national team heading towards 2014. But he's not particularly a well-known player in Brazil at the moment. It's only going to get bigger.
0: What's your take on him?
3: He'd fit in with Liverpool really well. I, I like. He'd, I imagine he probably played kind of wide in that front three, drifting inside, picks up the ball nicely, uh, threads balls through. He, he can be direct. He can drive at players. He's not really going to get down the line and whipping crosses, but that's not really how Liverpool play anyway. You've got kind of Suarez and Barini or Sturridge making the little darting runs, not looking to get across the front post and head it in or anything. So I think he, it's a very good fit, and perhaps in a game against lesser opposition, you might put him in that midfield three and help help him kind of create.
0: There are two players from Argentina that have been pretty central to news over January in the UK. One is Fabrizio uh at Newcastle and whether he'd go back. Uh, that's not going to happen now. And there's a lot of talk that Carlos Tevez is going to turn down a contract at Manchester City because he wants to go back to Boca.
3: I think Carlos Tevez wanted to go back to Boca for the last uh, <laughs> two years or so, really. Uh, you know, he's not your average bloke, really. He's, you know, he's from a very, very, very... Humble. I mean, he struggled to learn English. He's been here a, a long time. You know, he has He's never really got an education. Is it uh,
0: struggled or can't be bothered? He's, uh,
3: when you've got so, such a little education, it, it, I, I can't... I mean, I did uh, languages as my degree. Language is kind of um, what I've always done. But when you haven't got an education to start off with, learning another language must be phenomenally difficult. I can't even imagine. So I think the problem with him is he, when he was younger, you know, they, they were out on the, on the streets kind of trying to get money for their family and, and playing around with the kids and playing football or whatever or stealing stuff but what they weren't doing was going to school and learning You know, his, his Spanish isn't great yeah. so, uh, <laughs> so how can you expect him to have brilliant English I mean yeah. uh, I, I really just think it's a bit beyond him and I think he's wanted to go back to Boca for a while for him it's a case of getting enough money so he can set himself up for the rest of his life and then he can go back there and the thing about if he goes back to Argentina he will be revered
0: What's your take on Colaccini wanting to leave Newcastle just to go home? Have you got an insight into why?
3: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it it has been agreed not to report the exact reasons, but I completely understand his reasons to want to go home. Uh, You know, sometimes things are more important than football. Personal issues are more important than football. But I understand Newcastle's point of view. I I think the guy needs to go home. He He needs to sort his family problems out. But the club have got, you know, potential... Huge relegation, which would obviously lose them. How much? Ninety million, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in revenue and stuff. So they can't to take that risk of, of just sending that on loans to San Lorenzo for a few months. Maybe, perhaps they could have said, "Okay, have two weeks, go back, and you know, see if that makes you feel a bit better, or whatever." But for now, obviously, he's got no choice; he's staying. But his head, from what I understand, isn't particularly in the game at the moment. So we might see his performances dip.
0: Now, the one player that I've fell in love with as a footballer uh, a few years ago was Paulo Henrique Ganso. Um, He's had a few problems with knee injuries and the like, but, you know, I always thought that he'd end up getting a massive move to somewhere in Europe. I thought he was one of the great young talents of football, but are things just stalling for him a little? He's an interesting one, isn't he? Because if you think about it, kind of, the emerging
3: economy of Brazil has meant that, um... They've been able to hold on to players like Neymar and Ganso, whereas before they would have sold him as an 18-year-old for 20, 30 million. With Ganso, that would have been good because his value now is probably 10 million less. You know, when Sao Paulo bought him from Santos, yeah. it was about eight million pounds. Um, so that's kind of the downside of the fact that they can hold on to these players is sometimes they turn out not to be as good as they were at eight, 17, 18. Downside's main problem has been yeah, his, his injuries have taken taken their toll on him in, his, in the last couple of he's Run in, in two thousand and eleven, he missed a lot of it, large swathes of it. Uh, I think he only played one leg of the semi. I think he just about like, got there for the final. But yeah, he, injuries have taken their toll, and he's always been a slow player, so he's not lost the pace. But um, players have kind of got used to how he plays. And he's still a very kind of beautiful, fluid player to watch, but a bit like. Uh, a Raquel May in a way that sometimes you can just kind of bash him out of the game because he's so slow. If you get someone energetic enough in and around him, then it's going to make it very difficult for him. And he hasn't got the experience, the craft of Raquel May to get out of those holes.
0: Brilliant. Well, listen, Ed, I know people can keep uh, in touch with you on your Twitter. Uh, E-A-A Malion that's That's an E-A-A Malion with their L-Y in so it's well worth keeping in touch with Ed on Twitter he's going to join us regularly as well on Planet Football with all the news from South America thanks for disturbing your skiing holiday my friend we'll catch up with you in the coming weeks that's Ed Malion joining us on Planet Football a real insight into the world of South American football and that's been Planet Football this Tuesday evening we'll be back same time same channel next week won't we Statman John on. We certainly will. Have a great Tuesday evening. Enjoy yourself, and we'll see you next week. Planet Football City Tour 105.9.